I'm Eric Martin. Welcome to Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'll be your host for our exclusive VIP dining experience where you'll meet top restaurateurs and other special guests. First, you'll get to know our celebrity restaurant owner, enjoy an amazing front-of-the-house virtual culinary experience, and then wrap up by learning key action steps, insights, and inspiration for thriving in the food service industry. Now, let's get rolling. Okay, Passion Nation, welcome to Episode 5 of Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'm your host, Eric Martin. I'm excited to be here today with the amazing Stephen Smithing. Uh, Okay, Stephen, before I give you a full and proper introduction, say what's up to Passion Nation. Well, Eric, I appreciate uh, your inviting me on the show, and I'm happy to be here. And, you know, I'm kind of an open book, so I'm happy to tell you everything I know or think I know. Fantastic. If you're uh, in, if you're into or up to, for being um, inspired today, you're in the right place because restaurateur Stephen Smithing is the owner of Green Hills Grill in Nashville, Tennessee, and Mirror Bowls in Brentwood, Tennessee. He is no stranger to hard work, having worked at Green Hills Grill in the '90s as a server, bartender, and ultimately as a general manager. Stephen has worked in the restaurant business since his first dishwashing job at age 16. He decided to go independent and bought his first restaurant which was a well-known and established hospitality icon in the Nashville restaurant scene, Mere Bowls. Uh, since the original had closed, Stephen then decided to revitalize and reopen Green Hills Grill, which had been a staple for many dates, anniversaries, and business dinners in Nashville, Tennessee over a period of 20 years. So we're super excited to have Stephen here with us today. And, uh, um, I know that everybody's going to be inspired and learn a lot. So as we dive in, uh, Stephen, what do you want our front-of-the-house VIPs to know about your restaurant and your unique experience that they may not know? Well, I think one of the things that's important to know is that I grew up in a big family. I was one of I was a third of six children uh, in a big Roman Catholic family. I was, you know, we're, the two middle children are usually the most neglected. Uh, that's probably the case. I was an altar boy for seven years, which is longer than you probably really want to be an altar boy. Uh, but it certainly, you know, taught me some discipline and some things like that. Uh, I grew up in Midtown Memphis, which is a very diverse environment. I, I've been in a diverse environment almost all my life, and I was a minority in my junior high and my high school. Don't even know if I, I realized that, but that that formative uh, old Memphis upbringing uh, really, really kind of dictated some of the things I do in my life and what I want to do. Plus, Memphis is a pretty good restaurant town. They had liquor by the drink yes. earlier, and, and Nashville did not. So we don't have quite the history here that they did. Yes, Memphis does have a very rich history. So uh, that is great. So, um, great. What is the most popular item on your menu? Describe that offering for us. Well, at Green Hills, and totally not, it was totally by accident, but uh, the, the best little burger in Green Hills is the best-selling thing that we have. I mean, burgers are obviously something people eat for lunch and dinner, Sunday, Tuesday, Friday. Uh, you can eat it on a date. You can eat it on a business meeting. It, it is the American love affair with food. 
and we do a really, really good job. I mean, I'll put that burger up. I, I routinely see burgers rated in Nashville and elsewhere, and you know, there are different styles of grilling a burger, frying a burger, and doing it different ways. But but ours is just a fantastic, almost perfect burger. We're very uh, cooking it to temperature for us is very important. If you order it medium rare, you, we want to get it to you medium rare because there's nothing worse than having a well done burger if you order it medium rare. And our little right. fries, our, our crispy fries, go along perfectly with it. Um, at Maribola, obviously the sheet crab bisque. For a long time in my life, after I bought Maribola, I ate bisque everywhere I went, and then I decided I would just stop doing that because we have the best recipe. That is a, a fabulous dish, and we sell about twenty thousand portions a year. And it's decadent. I, I tip. In fact, I had a, a cup of it today because I was doing a meeting in the restaurant. But I, I taste it every day. But I usually only have a cup or a bowl when I'm actually dining in the restaurant. It's a special. It's a special thing to have. It is absolutely a special thing to have, and and uh, has been a staple for a very long time. I know my wife grew up. My my wife's father was a doctor. They would go out to dinners, and and that she crab. Uh, bisque was always a staple. Anytime we went there with them, um, when we were dating, we would have that. So that is a fantastic item. No you know, doubt. One of the secrets is if you come on Sunday brunch, which we aren't currently serving because you're not allowed to have shared utensil meals. Uh, but when we get back to brunch and it, it, we have it out on the Sunday brunch and you can have as much as you want, although it's hard to eat too much of that. Cause it is. That's a, that is a very good secret for everybody to know. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So, uh, what is another key item that we must try when we come visit your restaurant? I know you've got many things on your menu, but what is a must-try item? Tell us about that item. Well, you got a couple of you know, you have the uh, iconic things at Green Hills Grill, like the chicken salad melt, which is really just an English muffin with chicken salad and cheese melted on it, which is such a common item. When we when we reopened the restaurant, Chef Cassie said, well, we're not going to put that on the menu. And I'm like, well, I don't think we have a choice. This is one of the most popular things we have. Um and she learned the second day as she had to go to the store and buy more chicken tenders to cut up to make the chicken salad that uh, we were certainly going to sell a lot of those. Uh, obviously, the Heath Bar Crunch Pie is an iconic uh, dish there, as well as the spinach artichoke dip, which is kind of a throwback uh, throwback to the past. Uh, the Heath Bar Crunch Pie is obviously chocolate ice cream layered on top of a graham cracker crust mixed with vanilla ice cream with Heath Bar in it, and it's topped with caramel hot fudge, toasted almonds. It's kind of the the specialty dessert we have or the, the birthday dessert. And I, I wouldn't order one for everybody. It, it feeds several people. Absolutely. So many iconic uh, items on the Green Hills Grill menu. You cannot go wrong there for, for any event, whether it's a date, business dinner, or a special occasion. Uh, there are a lot of iconic items uh, on your menu. So um, share with us a key front of the house strategy core value or behavior geared toward maximizing each patron's experience? Well, you know, something that kind of stands out for us that really is, is key to what we do for a living is uh, our first core value is remember me. And what do we mean by that is, is typically guests, when you've served them hundreds and hundreds of times or, or tens of times, uh, oftentimes nearing, nearing the end of their life, they'll come in and say, do you remember me? I remember Eddie Arnold coming into Maribel. The last time I ever saw him, he goes, do you remember me? And I said, well, of course I remember you, Mr. Arnold. You know, how are you? Uh, in the same vein, it also means to our staff to be memorable. I mean, everything you do is taken in by the guest, and you're either memorable or you're not. As I just mentioned a, a little bit ago, I can't recall a, a, a grabbing the food from the window of a, of a fast food place that was ever really memorable to me. 
and that's one of the reasons we want people to come into the restaurant is to try to do something, uh, try to do something memorable. And obviously, our food and our what we do and you know, our atmosphere and culture is, is the thing that we want to be memorable and bring people back. Great. That's what that's what the restaurant industry and the hospitality industry is all about, isn't it? Even even more so. That is even that much more important today. You know, I have a crew member at Green Hills Grill, Ron, and Ron and I have worked together 27 years. And Ron works every shift every day. And I get more comments about how he smiles at people every time they come in. And he is the most requested server in that restaurant. And people are like, how is he so happy all the time? And I guess he's incredibly blessed with serotonin. Uh, He loves what he does and he's very successful at it. But it's amazing that kind of, you know, that kind of energy that comes off people is what I want people to remember. Absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, the food connoisseur and, and that, that makes a significant uh, impact and difference. That sounds great. So that wraps up our front of the house segment. Uh, Thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, now we want to move into the back of the house segment uh, where we learn uh, a little more in depth, some of the nuts and bolts behind the scenes. We'll give everybody a glimpse into the kitchen and the business mind. Uh, of Stephen Smithing and his restaurants. Uh, so, Stephen, what is one thing that you feel like you have done really well in the development of your restaurants? Uh, well, I've trusted my brother Christopher to operate the uh, the kitchens and to work with the kitchen managers to create a product uh, that's certainly accessible to the guest, uh, but is also made in the restaurant and is fresh and delicious. You know, he does a fantastic job, and he's been able to come in and. Uh, his personality is such a, a gracious, nice person that's approachable. So people come to him with problems and they come to him with changes. And what if we did this? And can we do this? And what do you think of this? And I think sometimes that's what's uh, most important. You know, the, 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 if you're less approachable, you probably learn less and people give you fewer ideas. Right. Fan- fantastic. Well said. Um, so what menu item has been your highest volume profit generator to date? Uh, tell us the story about that item, how you developed it and promoted that item to success. You know, there are probably things, and, and I'll be honest, I'd have to ask Chris for what's exactly the most you know, profitable is, is two things. One is the contribution dollars or how many, what's the, the most gross dollars you have, which typically is a, a higher cost steak or a higher cost you know, seared fish item or scallop item. And then you have things that are the best percentage you know, which uh, maybe cost less, but you actually sell for less, so you make less dollars. I think uh, one of the the truly amazing things that uh, Mike Huffler came up with when he started Green Hills Grill was this uh, smoked chicken enchilada, and it's a blue corn enchilada that's rolled, and most of the work in that item is done ahead of time, and that there's a whole lot of prep that goes into it, but the ability to make that item quickly and get it to the consumer uh, very quickly and is amazing. And it's just a delicious item. It is something that we didn't have on the menu when we reopened Green Hills Grill. We had a different enchilada on there. And we ended up bringing the blue corn enchilada back because it was such a fantastic, it's such a popular item. Um, And it kind of fits both. It's not the least expensive item, not the most expensive. It's probably certainly not the, the lowest cost, but it's not a bad cost on it. But the ability to make that item rapidly and have it be such a high quality uh, really brings a lot to the table. Yeah, and that that is a delicious item. I remember years ago eating that item on the menu uh, many times. It seems to be one of the most texted to me items when I'm about to come home at night. And what would you like me to bring home? (laughs) 
Well, that, that tells the story right there. If your family's texted you and saying, hey, bring this to me. Hey, if my 22-year-old son wants it, I guess, and I've been selling it for 27 years, I guess that says enough. He's not tired of it. That's yeah. exactly right. So, well, fantastic. So, so what is one thing that you now know that you wish you would have known when you started your food service journey? Um, I wish I would have known that this is a uh, high capital intensive business. I mean, certainly when I started it, I think that there were more independent restaurateurs, uh, certainly more independent restaurateurs operating larger, larger restaurants. And, and that is a little bit more the game for corporate people right now. But um, it, it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to put that much investment into something. And then the thing that has changed really over the last 20 years is I think that there's this feeling that people just need to go to the newest, trendiest place. And that rotates every couple of years. And I don't think that the economics involved in building restaurants out uh, properly can really be recovered in the three to four year lifespan of a trendy restaurant. It, it, it's a difficult mathematical problem to do. And obviously my mother was a math professor, so that helped a little bit with the math. But it, it, that's that's a trick nowadays. I wish I'd have known how long it would take to return get a return on investment because it's, it's a lengthy process. Right. Absolutely. And and with your menu and having so many staples and so many followers uh, that, yeah, having a sustainable restaurant model um, is important, uh, which you have with the restaurants that you've got, a lot of long-term followers. So uh, take us to your worst, most challenging moment as a restaurateur. Tell us that story and what you've learned or gained through that experience. Well, I think this COVID experience certainly has been the most challenging. I mean, when uh, when from an insurance perspective, this is not a, uh, a business interruption. I'm not sure what else it would be, but uh, actually learning that and then going through and going to a zero revenue. I mean, at Maribol, we were with zero revenue for well over two months. Uh, and at Green Hills Grill, obviously, we closed the dining room and, and we changed some of our operative structure to be able to do to go and delivery. We, we were very blessed that the guests responded to that. Uh, but by far and away, this has been the most challenging endeavor. I mean, ensuring restaurants are clean places anyway. I mean, we all wash our hands multiple times, I mean, 20, 30 times a day. Uh, we wipe things up. We clean things on a regular basis. So that part wasn't as big of, of a challenge as the potential airborne virus part of it that, you know, and believe me, as it's come back in Nashville, Every single person, amazing to watch Nashvillians get a lot more serious about wearing their masks in public, and that's been and that's been very welcome. Uh, out, right. Outside of that, the biggest challenge is when we shifted and we had social media, and instead of telling the manager in the restaurant that you had a problem or there was something wrong, you went online and made sport of it and never told anybody there was anything wrong. Well, I mean, this is a hugely labor-intensive business where human error is our number one mistake. Every single day in that business, human error is the thing that's going to cause us the most problems. Because if you have 40 people working in a building, you know, <clears throat> most small businesses, the size of mine, the revenue of mine have five employees and we have 60 employees in each one. People make mistakes far off, far more often than computers do or, or automated processes do. And all you got to do is raise your hand and say, Hey, I think there's something wrong here. And we can take care of that. And to have to read that online on a daily basis, which I don't do anymore. My, wife, my uh, business associates did a very good job of taking that out of my <laughs> – so I don't, I don't see it anymore. I mean, looking at your life's work and to say, well, if you'd have just told me, I would have fixed it. That's probably the other tough part. 
Right. I think that's a great invite, you know, for everybody who's listening to this, the owner, if the owner knows they're going to fix it. Right. I mean, it's your life's work. And if they don't go online and say whatever you want, but Hey, I can, I mean, it'll food, we can cook food, everything in 20 minutes. I tell people I can fix everything in 20 minutes. When's right. the last time it was something bad happened at the airport? What did they do? Oh, nothing. And if you're on a layover for an extra four hours, isn't that worth complaining way more about than the food that I could have fixed in 20 minutes? I, you know, I don't know. That's right. Your, your goal is for everybody to leave happy, right? You want them to leave happy. Yeah, I don't think that's the airline's goal all the time. <laughs> They're like, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You kind of have to get what you take. You kind of accept it on that realm. That's right. Absolutely. So, great. So, what are the what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing today that you would like to see inspire new product? Or industry innovation, whether it's from a product standpoint, to-go packaging, uh, electronic, you know, uh, technology items. What, what's a challenge you're facing today that you'd love to see inspire innovation in the industry? Well, I think that one of the things that we're very blessed by is we did make a technology change to use the Toast POS system uh, two years ago at Green Hills Grill and then here on the first of the year at Maribol. And making that technological change, which allowed us to do a seamless online order and delivery system, uh, it'll, we do, you know, the pay at the table, the servers take the order at the table. It, it, really, those systems do work and are faster and better for everybody. I mean, if you don't have to hand over your credit card anymore, that's the problem. I don't think people realize that when you hand over your credit card at a restaurant and they take it and swipe it, you can say, I didn't make that transaction and the restaurant has to pay the money. If I stick it in the computer in front of you at the table, or if you scan a barcode and you get it on your phone, that's a it's a seamless transaction. It's also safer for you. It's better for the restaurant. You know, those technological innovations uh, ha- have really been amazing. <clears throat> as that's far a great as point. We've done that, which has been nice. I think the great. other challenges are obviously restaurant equipment. Um, it hasn't changed a lot in what most people use day to day. I think looking forward into how we can use some equipment to make things faster and cook more evenly and things like that are, are really, you know, what's on the forefront. But the classical technique, which I'll get to a little bit later, of you know, using a really hot, hot saute pan and sauteing something and searing it and then putting it in a convection oven to finish, you really can't supplant that. That's kind of what that, that's what good food's all about. Right. Well, that kind of that does kind of lead into my. Uh, next question I was going to ask, and, and you've got a lot of experience front of the house, back of the house, running the business, but what is your favorite cooking technique or preparation method for serving a solid menu item and why? Well, I think people, uh, most consumers don't understand that when you buy a Wolf oven at home or I have a Blue Star oven here at my house, um, it, it doesn't, in a restaurant, we use 35,000 BTUs of gas underneath every pan, and the most you can use at a house is 22, I believe. And most wolf-type ovens do 18. It's half of the gas, half of the heat that we're putting on it at the restaurant, which is how you can get that crisp on the outside of things, on the outside of a seared fish or a scallop or a steak or a, or a you know, short rib. And then you cook it on the outside, then you put it in a 500-degree convection oven that's already on and at 500 degrees. And things just cook so well and so evenly That's what's hard for people to replicate at home. People always say, well, why doesn't my fish taste like that? Well, that's the reason, because we're using twice the heat and a 500-degree preheated oven that never goes out. Absolutely. I think preparation and cooking methods, that's very good. Very good point. 
Um, so, uh, what platform or media or medium do you feel is the best investment for your marketing dollars? One of my big problems in life is I'm not a born marketer. I'm a born operator and it's very difficult today. I mean, Randy Rayburn told me not long ago, he goes, man, I could sure write a meme email, you know, 15 years ago and bring some people in. He goes, but I don't know if that's the greatest skill anymore. There's got to be another way to do it. And I think that mostly the way to do it now is via social media. How you get a, you know, a large group of people to pay attention to you and to look at your things. Obviously, videos tend to do well. If people can watch somebody cooking or watch somebody explaining food, that's been pretty successful. Uh, just fun things that go on in the restaurant. And then, obviously, pretty pictures of food. Uh, the food didn't, you know, you used to just have to taste great. Now there is this Instagrammable part about it that it has to look great and perfect. And, you know, when you're, when you're serving 600 people a day, sometimes that's the tricky part. Right. Fantastic. Sounds good. So um, share with us a key back of the house strategy or behavior geared toward delivering maximum quality and, a con- and consistency each and every dish. Make the food there in the restaurant every day. Prepare all the sauces, prepare all the dressings, uh, cut the fish, cut the meat. You know, the more we do in-house, the better the food tastes for you. One of the things that chains do, and you know, especially as you move down the, down the scale on chains, they make all the food somewhere else. And they send it frozen to the restaurant, and then they pull it out, and they thaw it in a cooler, and then they cook it in a, in a microwave or a combo oven or something like that. I mean, we actually make all of our dressings and we make all of our sauces. I mean, we pan make a whole bunch of our sauces on a, you know, it's on an a la minute basis, uh, which is pretty tricky to do. But the more you can actually prepare the food in-house, uh, the better it's going to be. Fantastic. That's what we find. Absolutely. Sounds, sounds great. Thank you. So that is, that is uh, our back of the house house segment. We're going to move into the final crumbs, which is a lightning round segment. And uh, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite quotes is, "I would rather eat a crumb from the table of a winner than a full meal from the table of a loser." So Stephen is going to share us share a lot of uh, crumbs and morsels and nuggets of wisdom with us. And uh, so let's roll into that. What is one thing, Stephen, that you're the most passionate about today? It's the same thing I was most passionate about when I realized this is what I wanted to do for a living. I love to serve people. You know, I think I turned around as a 22-year-old or 23-year-old and thought, well, I really like doing this. And a lot of people think that this is what they don't want to do or the last thing they would ever want to do. And I love to serve people. You know, I see my neighbors often more in the restaurant than I do in my neighborhood. Uh, it's nice to get together at home sometimes, but it's also great to get together there in the restaurant. Uh, that and I, and I love to provide for people. I mean, having a couple of restaurants with lots of employees, I mean, these are people who it's almost like a ministry of taking care of people and serving those people as well. And uh, that's been a blessing to me in my life also. Right. Fantastic. What is the best advice you've ever received? Well, about two and a half weeks after I started at Green Hills Grill back in 1992, I was at a general meeting and Phil Hickey said, if you treat the restaurant like you own it, one day you may. And I really took that seriously and I never did anything else. I just treated it though like I owned it and I cared about it and I, picked up the paper in the, you know, in the restroom and I moved this and I, I straightened things up. And uh, one time I even had a guest, they said, are you the owner of the restaurant? And I said, no, I'm not. They said, are you the general manager? I said, no, I'm just a regular manager. And he goes, well, don't tell anybody else that because they all think you're the owner. And I thought that was good. And now when you get to become the owner and you realize that 
you know, when Phil Hickey got to come back to the restaurant and say, well, that doesn't happen all the time, but it certainly did in this case, that was very rewarding for me. That's fantastic. So anybody listening to this that has a dream and a goal of owning a restaurant, uh, that is a great story, a great piece of advice, because that's where that's where you started, right? Steve, you, you started working in the restaurant and acted like an owner, and one day you were. I started working as a server there, yes, and I started working as a dishwasher in my first job in Memphis. But I think it, it, the real story there is if you don't think you should ever have to do it, then you're probably not the owner. Because right. I'll do whatever it takes. I mean, I'll help the dishwasher clean up in the bathroom sometimes. I mean, it's just easier sometimes to go in there and get it done, and they appreciate it rather than look around the restaurant for seven other people who that's the last thing in the world they think they want to do because they're not owners. Right, and I've, I've seen you do it. In your restaurant. That's great advice. Uh, what book would you recommend to Passion Nation and why? Well, let's see. I like uh, I, I like the one-minute manager is always a good one because really sometimes life should be that simple. And then uh, QBQ, the question behind the question, is probably the one I've been asking people to read the most in my business because it's all about personal accountability. It's, it's kind of the same thing I just talked about. Most of the time, if you look in the mirror and are asking what the problem is, you you can be the solution. You know, it's not like you can be absent of being part of the solution if you have a problem in life. And I work on people. I've worked with obviously thousands of people in the restaurant business, and uh, I've worked with people from with substance abuse. You know, people who've been homeless, people who are convicted felons, uh, all types of people of every you know political and religious and you know sexual variety and you got to sometimes just raise your hand and say it was my fault and you'll feel better if you do take some personal accountability. Great. Sounds good. So share one piece of advice for food service sales professionals that are calling on and working with restaurateurs on what they need to do to become a trusted advisor. I think if you're really a trusted advisor in the business, you're, you're somebody who's not looking to put, products that shouldn't be in my restaurant in my restaurant. I mean, there came a point at Maribola where we didn't serve any $8 bottles of wine. So I had to say to the people, I said, why are you bringing me $8 or why are more importantly, you bringing my staff $8 bottles of wine to taste when we're not going to sell any of those. All you're doing is giving this person two or three, you know, two glasses of wine, you know, throughout your tasting. And that's not any return on my investment to my business. Uh, I think people come in the restaurant and try to sell food products sometimes that kind of, like I said, a, a bag full of soup or something. I mean, I, it, we're going to make it all here. I, I need you to bring me the raw produce and the raw ingredients, but I don't need you to bring me a shortcut because that's not what I'm looking for. That's great advice. Great advice without, without a doubt. So, well, great. That, that wraps up uh, the final crumb segment. We're going to move into the sweet course. And uh, we'll, we'll end and wrap up this amazing VIP dining experience uh, with Stephen sharing one final piece of sweet advice and anything else that you want to share, Stephen. We appreciate your time and uh, share with us a final piece of sweet advice. Uh, well, I think it's, it's love what you do. You know, I had a, I actually bought Green Hills Grill from a very talented businessman who said, well, I thought I could hire a chef and a general manager and sit at the bar and drink wine with my wife and friends. And I thought, well, I never sit at the bar and drink wine with my wife and friends because that's not really what my job is. Um, I, I think the key is to understand what what's going to what the work is that's going to go into what you want to achieve. 
And I haven't yet found a way to be successful without doing work, especially some hard work. And if you're going to be in the restaurant business, make sure that you can work or that you like to work. I like to work. It doesn't bother me. I'm going to go to work after, uh, after we tape this show. Fantastic. And, and, uh, that sounds good. We've had a lot of great, uh, advice today. And Stephen is the owner, uh, give a heartfelt invitation. I, you know, it's always awesome when the owner invites you to their place to come eat and enjoy the experience, give a heartfelt invitation to all of our listeners, whether they're in Nashville or across the world, when they do come to Nashville, um, give them an invitation. Well, I think Green Hills Grill is just a, it's the perfect neighborhood restaurant of Green Hills. This is one of those places if you're going to go to St. Louis, you know, or you're going to go to Birmingham. You're like, well, I wonder what the really good neighborhood restaurant is. That's really what we want to be and what we are. I mean, we don't try to be too frou-frou. We're certainly limited uh, because of, you know, the number of seats we have and sometimes the guest flow on what we can actually produce. But our food is all made there and it's really, really good. And you're going to be served by a really nice person. We, we kind of take not nice people and get rid of them almost immediately. Uh, at Maribel, it's this is a, a beautiful restaurant in a big old home uh, that has just been you know, redecorated and redesigned. You know, we've, we've redone all the work in there. And it's a, it's a fabulous place to come and have you know, lunch, a business lunch, or, or even an anniversary dinner. It's also a great place to have an event. I mean, we do lots of wedding events, uh, wedding rehearsal dinners. Biz, I was at a business meeting there today. Uh, we, we have a wonderful group of people who know what they're doing, who speak very clearly, know the product, uh, and they're going to do a great job. You know, I've got a fantastic group of folks that have been there a long time. Great. And I want, I want to thank Passion Nation for joining us today. I also want to thank Stephen for serving the industry and spending some time connecting with the food connoisseur. And, um, um, Please go support Stephen Smithing at Green Hills Grill in Nashville, Tennessee, and at Mirror Bowls in Brentwood, Tennessee. And remember that you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with Eric and Stephen today. With that, we'll catch you on the next episode of Feeding Your Passion. Until then, go be great. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe. Also, please visit our website, feedingyourpassion.com, to sign up for our email list so that we can deliver each episode right to your inbox and so that you can give us feedback on our content because we want to be dialed in to what you're passionate about. Until next time, go be great, Passion Nation.